many people know that there's some gay okay. who, who's a mental health advocate uh-huh. who talks mental illness uh-huh. often. Mm-hmm. So I remember this one time somebody came, you know, going out on a date yeah. and they're like, hi, tell me about your illness. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Okay. Can we just... Can we not just eat coffee can we, or tea? Can you please order starters at least? Oh my gosh. Hello, Wisdom and Wellness family. We are all cozied up. It's winter, my favorite season. As you're going to see, I'm going to be wearing coats, even if there's a whole lot of sun. But today I'm excited to be sitting with an incredible woman. I've had the honor of meeting her once, actually. I don't know. actually didn't meet her, but I saw her speaking on stage and I was just taken by her story and I knew that I wanted to share it with my family. So today we are sitting with Dr. Samgen Ngobo. She is better known on social media as, as a vocal mentality. She's a medical doctor, author of Reflections of a Convoluted Mind, keynote speaker, mental health advocate, and she lives by the quotes that you are not suffering, that she's not suffering from mental illness, but thriving despite it. You? Hi, Doc. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Do you prefer you're not you're not practicing medicine anymore, right? No, no, I'm in corporate, but yeah. working as a doctor within the corporate space. Okay, so people still call you doctor. They do, but I'm happy to be called Samge. They oh, call okay. me Doctor Samge, not Co- Doctor Do- <laughs> Samge. Sure. So I remember. So we actually didn't meet, did we? We were in the same table at an event. Same table at an event. (laughs) Maybe I feel like I met you because when you were on stage, it felt like you were just talking to me in the room. Mm. Like I felt like, okay, this girl's just looking at me. She's here for me. And I think that's what makes you such a brilliant speaker is that you you see everybody in the room and Mm. everybody hears you. So I was, I wanted you to actually share your entire journey i mean you live with um bipolar mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um so how did it start started f- tell me about your upbringing so my journey starts at the age of 15 oh it starts at birth <laughs> <laughs> hopefully <laughs> and with you know i come from a very christian background yeah. and religious my parents were strict so you read the bible every evening that kind of a setup yeah and everyone rotates. So that was the setup I grew up in. Yeah. Very shy. Yeah. Um, and and in just generally as yeah. a child. And Even in your drawn. family at home. Yes, 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 I was. I mean, this. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you're a speaker now, so. Yes, I know, I know. So I've, as I grew, I realized that I love communicating and connecting with people. Uh, yeah. And even though I was not raised that way, I realized that I found a home in it. Okay. And I've become a different person. That's my Sasha Fierce okay. space. Got you. Switch so, it on. <laughs> absolutely. And at the age of 14, life took a different turn. Mm. Um, I was behaving abnormally and not, not, I mean, moody. You know, people would think that age 14, yeah. teenagers are like that. Yeah. yeah. But things kept building up in terms of severity, you know, mm. hearing people people who aren't there, seeing people who aren't there. Sure. And that's when my parents started getting concerned that this is no longer normal at all. So, sorry, it was just abrupt, like 14 out of nowhere, or do you think it might have been happening throughout your life? You just never took note of it. It was a gradual pro- progression, say maybe from the age of 13, okay. I was building up where people aren't aware. Yeah. And I remember this one point in high school, thank God I've still got the same friends. Oh, wow. From high school. <laughs> yeah. And during that time... Um, I would sit one day, I'm laughing and playing with, the, not playing at my high school, not playing. <laughs> Just like yes, chatting exactly. it up. So yeah. I'd be talking to them and socializing. The next day I'm sitting in the corner, I want nothing to do with them. Sure. So it was a yo-yo kind of a situation. Sure. And then it built up where 
I really was becoming sick. And then my parents took me to hospital. So this is 22 years ago where I had my first encounter with mental health care services. Unlike it is now. Yeah. People talk about it and yeah. encourage it. You know? And there's something online, like you find a video where you relate to or something. Yeah, absolutely. So it was a very lonely place in my life because I remember being exorcised in the hospital. People thought I was demon possessed. So I'm being made to shout the name of Jesus the sure. whole time because I then realized in hindsight that they were trying to cast out something that they felt was in me. Sure. Other people were afraid of me because they thought I'm bewitched. So there were so many, you know, assumptions about what was happening to me because there was very little understanding. Mm. Socially, when people would come to pray for me at home, you'd find that they're saying, please don't give us anything to drink, anything to eat. Then Mm. I realized that this is related to social stigma. They thought this is contagious, you know. So it was a very lonely place for me. And I was described by some people that I'm the weakest link. So you can imagine growing up from a Christian background and then people think that you've brought this evil spirit into you the know? home. Yeah. Yeah. So I felt quite, I don't, I wanted nothing to do with this God that would house a, a demon in, in a young girl, you sure. know? So you actually believed that you are living with a demon? Yes, because that's what people treated you, me, treated you like, me yeah. as. And it was very, I felt very ostracized and mm. lonely as a result. Mm. Fortunately, when I returned to school, um, grade nine, this is, Things quietened down. I was not becoming sick and I was not even on treatment. I think I was not as stressed or pressured Mm. as things built up in university Mm. because things took a turn and a bad turn. Mm. Um, So I had done very well in matric and I entered university Mm. and I decided to be a doctor, largely because I wanted to understand myself. I I thought that if I get into this profession... I'll get to understand my journey. And the interest was always into mental health care services. Yeah. Um, So I went to university, did very well. I I had a bursary first year, second year, third year. So wait, hold on. Backstory. Back up, back up. So 14, you have this breakdown and you're taken into hospital and you're feeling out. And then do you come back from hospital feeling better and life almost just kind of continues? It did. But, you know, the bounce back from mental illness is not immediate. Okay. So I was in hospital roughly three weeks at the time. Then I had to recuperate mm-hmm. for another two weeks. Okay. And it's sort of like a daze of sorts when you, because you've lost some weeks of your life, so mm. to speak, and everyone's been carrying on with their lives. Mm. So it's like you're in a daze of sorts. Um, obviously, there was also the weight gain from this medication. Sure. So, you know, it was a difficult time in that sense because people knew me to be a certain way and I yeah. returned. Sure. And, body and I image, have to keep explaining, even yes. though people aren't asking, but you can see the question Absolutely. in people's eyes. Yeah. And issues related to body image are quite rife at that time at 14, of your life. Yeah. Yes. So school continued normally okay. and then university took a turn. I think the pressures of it. Yeah. Medical are school, yes. Yeah. Yes. The pressures there um, took over. And then I was relapsing twice a year, once a year throughout medical school from mm. the time it was fourth. My first episode then was in third year. And I was getting sick all the time, admitted to hospital. Sure. So it was very difficult and very lonely because... I mean, people are continuing with the university life. I'm disappearing half the time. Yeah. Yes. So that was life changing in a major way. And that's when I gained, was it 20 or 30 kilograms in a space of four months? Sure. So literally who I was and who I became was completely different. different. Just like that. You you know, and the reason why I, I was so drawn to your story is that I have a sister, a cousin that I grew up with who now died by suicide um, about three years ago. Mm. And as you tell your story, 
I'm seeing so much of her, but there was just no language for that. Mm. Because like you said, but I mean, I look at her life and she was always anxious, but we didn't know it's anxiety. Like if there's ants around, like she would fret and she would panic and everyone would just be like, um, you know, those labels like we are you, you, sometimes you're good. Sometimes you're angry, sometimes you're not. And then when teenagehood started, that's when the weight gain started with her as well. And she managed high school. Um, and then by varsity, I guess that's when the pressures happened. And I guess, the help there's a point with the help there's just we just don't know enough mm. as a family and unfortunately she lost her life but that's when I got invested in mental mm. health and when I heard your story I was like geez how many other teenagers go through this until life gets to a point where it's just not worth it anymore no absolutely I mean there's a lot of shame related to suicide yes, yes. and it's a topic that one doesn't want to visit yes uh, because there's such a stigma to it you know that you're deemed as selfish yeah there's so many labels also, for you it. just don't know which words am I using the right words am I am I am I not I uh, personally as someone on the other side I don't want to be offensive in my use of language but I understand how important the conversation is absolutely it was very lonely I didn't understand my feelings yeah this term called depression now yeah. At that time, I had no language for it. All I knew is that I wanted the curtains, you know, drawn Draw- close. Mm. I wanted to be in a dark room. It was very lonely. And I did struggle with those thoughts at the time. No mm. attempts. Mm. But definitely those thoughts did plague me because I just wanted to cease to exist. You know, yeah. when you find that existing is more painful than living. That's sure. how it felt. Sure. And exactly. not that I'm saying that I understand why, that why people do that, yeah. but I know the difficulty when living literally becomes so hard. more difficult than, you know, being alive, basically. Yeah. yeah. So with, when did you actually get a, a diagnosis? So when I was 14, people just said I have a mood disorder. And I think I'm, I think I'm grateful for that because I, did, I would have lived with the label that I have a condition that has such a stigma and would not mm. understand. Mm. I finally was told that I have bipolar disorder when I was in university. But because I kept, sure. because I kept asking, what is wrong with me? Yeah. You know? Like it's not like you wake up and you want to just be angry at everyone. Ab- absolutely. The fluctuations were frustrating to other people. So yeah. I was finally told that I have bipolar disorder. And it's not like there was internet to say, let me Google, Google what, what this, this is. is yeah. you know? you so, figure it yeah, out. Yeah. yeah, so I, I walked around, you know, telling close friends that I have this diagnosis, but I didn't understand. What it means. I mm. only understood and accepted this condition quite recently, actually. This is after 16 years of having this diagnosis, Ma'am. actually, in 2017. Ma'am. So I carried knowing that I have this condition, but finally grasping it is when I found the right fit of a psychiatrist Mm -hmm. and a psychologist because I said, what is it about me that makes me different to other people? Mm. Because I'm, you know, I thought I'm the one that can wing it. Yeah. I'm the the person with bipolar that can wing it. It doesn't need medication. Because you're a doctor and you're smart. And and, and (laughs) And you've been doing it. Yes. And also because of how... A person with bipolar is portrayed. A person uh, with mental illness is portrayed. And yeah. I thought, I don't look like that. Mm. I'm not that. Mm, let me mask it. Yes. And then my doctor told me um, in a simple term, because being a doctor, as I told you that I was trying to find myself, but I didn't find myself in that. Yeah. And she's the one that explained that I have a different way of functioning mm. toward from other people when I have a st- when I'm in a state of being manic. Mm. And she told me that when I'm depressed, it goes south. And she told me something that has stayed with me. She says, Samge, when you are well, you thrive. 
But when things go south, they go south. They go very south. And yeah. it's very true. I'm yeah. thriving, I'm well when I'm doing well. But when things are difficult, They're I really, really take they take a turn for the worse. I wanna go in a little deeper on on mental health as a as a full picture. And my understanding is this, my limited understanding based on my experience and just my outside view and my own struggles is I view um, people who struggle deeply with mental health issues as people who actually see the world for what it is. Hmm. And I think that's what makes it hard to cope. So, for example, I look at a Kanye West and I think the reason why he finds it so hard to cope, yet so genius, is because he, see, he sees things that other people don't see. So, basically, he's too woke. You know too much, more than you're supposed to know. And I think as human beings, I don't know if our brains can handle that. So, I want to get from your perspective, from an experience perspective, and just from a medical perspective, is there a link to that? And I think I'm asking because maybe it might break the stigma because I know now there's a whole conversation about kids with autism are actually geniuses. Mm. So instead of us just label sick, 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 maybe we can get a better understanding of how, what makes this person seem a little, little different. So particularly with bipolar disorder and mental illness as well, there's also a chemical imbalance that causes you to, you know, actually preferred being in a manic state because, you know, like you're saying, the mm. creativity. Mm. And I, I've always said to people, man, that is, you know, I've never been high in my <laughs> life, mm -hmm. but that state of being is epic. Sure. Because you're doing things, you, there's you're times genius. I can't sleep for three days and I'm doing things and like I'm achieving being, them. You're in your genius yes, state. Yes, I'm doing sure. things. I am able to execute tasks. But the problem is the crash when it does catch up with you. Mm. If you're not sleeping for three days, it's going to catch up with you in some level. Mm. And then you get into a depression, you're being admitted to hospital because your behavior becomes an increasingly abnormal. Mm. So when you're having, you know, your behavior can become so abnormal that, you know, life complicates significantly. Mm. And, you know, it's not that I condone Kanye West's behavior yes, as yes. you mentioned his name. But there's a part of me that relates because mm. the abnormality for him mm -hmm. is that he is so well known. So That's his it. things play out so publicly. publicly. Yeah. And I so relate for the That's fact my that for him. I had a public relapse three mm. years ago, which was life changing. Mm. Because when I'd have an episode, it was always in the protection of friends and family. Then very few people knew what was going on with me. Before we move on from that, what mm. does an episode look like for you? Has it does it has it always looked the same, or has it gradually changed with with time? It has gradually changed with time, and it's changed because my insight improved. Ah. So back in the day, I just would find myself in hospital and not know what happened to me because. I was not seeing what was happening to me progressively. So you, it's almost an out-of-body experience. It is for me. Yeah. And as time has gone on, I have better insight and also a, a greater acceptance from the people around me who give me feedbacks about the, mm. uh, the red flags. I'd want to fight them. They're saying, sure. Sam, you're forgetful. Sam, you're quite irritable. For sure. me, the irritability becomes plus, plus, plus. Yeah. So for me, that's what happened. I have better insight to my condition and I allow the feedback of those who are around me. Mm. And I think that's why it's been a progression. It's because I have better insight and judgment and I embrace mm. that from the people around me. I, outside gotcha. of 
back in the day, I would literally find myself there and not know how I how ended up there. Absolutely. I guess it helps that you've kept the same community of people who love, accept and understand you. Absolutely. And I've also lost some people along course, the way. I remember yeah. a friend saying to me that some gay, this is too much from, for sure. me. It was devastating. Do you think it's fair though? It's understandable. Okay. It was painful. Yeah. Um, because you think ride or die thick yeah. and thin. Yeah. But we know when somebody says, I'm not coping with yeah. this. Yeah. So I was devastated because if you prefer me in my well state only, yeah. then, you know, if my bad state, which might not, which might come back again, I can't guarantee that it won't come again. Sure. So they were like, they're checking out. So... I actually had a conversation with a lady now and she just had a friendship breakup, right? And their, her reason, the reason for the friendship breakup was her friend said, her friend was extremely rude to her, acted out of character and was extremely mean to her. And she said to her friend, look, um, I love you. We've been friends for so long, but no one in my life has ever treated me like this and I don't accept it. And she wanted to talk it out, right? And friend said, well, unfortunately, if you can't take me, um, I can't promise you that I, I will never act this way again, right? So now going back to what your friend said and what you just said now about if you can't accept me in my in my in my in my 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 out uh, outlash my lashing out state, and you just want me for the good, is from your point, did you have a level of understanding and? empathy that okay I get it like it's a lot and there's just certain people who can't handle this or did you feel did you feel betrayed did you personalize it I was devastated because she knew she had seen the episode so mm. it's not like she was seeing moods and irritability mm. and me being unkind she had seen me in that unwell state she knew, yes it was that she had context so okay. that's why it was so difficult okay. for me to internalize but then she did say that she's not coping with what she was experiencing and then you know you know you grieve a, a friendship loss the yeah. way you'd grieve um other losses yeah. so yeah. it's it's tr it's complicated because and and it's one of my questions later but before i get into that it's i want to talk about your public um fallout your public episode rather i just recently read brene brown's book um the gifts of imperfection and she initially she used to refer to her to her episode if i could call it not necessarily related to mental health but she said she had a breakdown right mm -hmm. and then later on years later like seven years later she changed it to a spiritual awakening mm -hmm. so now i want to go tell us about your public episode how you saw it then versus how you see it now. Wow. So what I saw at that point, I saw literally the end of my life. Sure. I saw my life stopping. I didn't see a bounce back, a comeback, nothing. Yeah. Because I've never, it, you know, you count how many pains you've had in life, mm -hmm. but that one ranks. <laughs> You're the one. <laughs> that one is high up there, yeah. I have to say. So I literally... Um, voice notes can be a challenge uh -huh. and I was spewing things like you cannot believe and you know colleagues heard it people who don't know me heard it because people circulated voice notes it was devastating yeah so what happened break it down so I was very frustrated about mm -hmm. many things particularly work things mm -hmm. um so as well when I'm frustrated. I become forgetful okay. and irritable. And okay. then I was also not on my medication. Ooh. So I had stopped taking my medication, not wise. And so I was sort of like I was free just, falling, yeah, you just, know? Yeah. So, so I was vulnerable because sure. I was not on my medication. 
stressed out yeah. and that's a bad combination. Sure. Then I, I then expressed my difficulty and anger in the voice note, swearing. I felt like I'm being watched. It just sure. was a mess. Yeah. And who was the voice note to? Everyone. I was, I was so out of control because I'd created a WhatsApp group mm. and I had included many people. And then, you know, WhatsApp groups can circulate and negativity yeah. spreads fast. Yeah. So then different people had it. So then sure. after that, I had to be admitted to hospital. Sure. And so coming back from that, I just thought my life was over. How yeah. do you come How back embarrassing. from that? Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah. it birthed the activist that I am today. Wow. You know, when, say, when people say all things work together for yeah, good, for the good yeah. there wouldn't be no book. That's when my book was birthed. Yeah. The outspokenness came then yeah. because I really felt like the voice of people with the struggle is not heard. Mm. And there was a point where I realized that, oh my gosh, I'm written off. Sure. It, you know, it was a difficult thing to internalize. Because this is after coming back now, you yes, felt it. Yes, I thought. felt it because I reached out to so many people. You know, when you reach out to two people, you think, I they're busy. Yeah. When you reach out to an Everyone five, is just six, like, <laughs> am I the little sheep that's Absolutely. put on the side? Then yeah. you realize that if you're reaching out to more than five people and they're not answering calls, not answering yeah. messages, sure. you get the picture. So sure. that's when I realized that, okay, life has to start from scratch. I would wake up at three in the morning in tears. I thought that this just happened to me. You know, you're wishing something was yeah. a dream. Yeah. And I realized, nope, it's there's happening. No dream. It happened. You're awake. You're alive. <laughs> I'm alive. It's real and life. It's absolutely. happening. And um, not to be too spiritual, but yeah. there's one verse that I felt being told to me. And I also bounced it to my friend mm. like three in the morning because I used to send a healthy voice notes. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I heard the words saying, though he slay me, Yet I will trust him. Yes. So that I did sure. not, I did not understand what was going on with me, but mm. I knew that I just had to trust the experience, sure. and that's what was it for me. Whew. Just have to trust the experience, and mm. that was it for me. So in that moment, when did you, 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 you? This is now sending voice notes to people at work in the medical profession, right? And you come back from hospital. Have you lost your job? Are you being called to? Um, what do they call disciplinary it? Disciplinary hearing. What is happening? So people became aware that of what happened. Okay. You know? But my relapse was so severe. I had to be booked off works for six months. That's half a year. So I came back from that and my psychiatrist uh, saw her and she said, Samke, I'm booking you off for three weeks. So I said, no problem. I could see that I was still in a haze of yeah. sorts. So after that, um, had to come back for review. And I'm like, hi, doc, how are you? She says, I need to book you off for longer. I'm like, I think I still need more time. Sure. You know, so I you could, could admit feel, and feel that yes. you're still... But I didn't think she'd tell me about six months. <laughs> she's like, yeah, you know, two weeks, no, you can do that. <laughs> yeah. And then she says to me, no, I'm, you need to go on incapacity leave for six months. Now, I'm somebody who takes their work seriously. At most, I'd be off work for three weeks if I've had a relapse. Mm. But never in my life did I think I'd be off work for half the year. Sure. For six months of my career. Career, my work, yeah. You know? That is like cancel the whole year. That's done. When Abs you go back, you need to study again. Yeah, absolutely. And that was two weeks before COVID-19 became, before the lockdown. So I don't know if that's a good thing <laughs> or a bad thing. I'm just so like, yeah, you, but... Uh, 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, so I was not on the front line because that was during that sure. time. So initially when she said that, I thought I'll make this work for me. So I, I labeled it Walter Wednesday on, you know, I'll go to Walter Sisulu to hike. I had this whole plan to befriend the situation. Because I asked sure. her, what must I get up to yeah, for like, six what months? what are you doing? You know, because I'm not, I work often as doctors, forms a huge part of our identity. Yeah. So what do I do with my life for six months? Yeah. And that's when then our president starts the family meetings, one of several family meetings. <laughs> and then I realized that I need to make a plan for myself. And, you know, I was most vulnerable and more, so raw mm. with myself because I had to face myself. And you were locked down, locked down alone. Absolutely. My sister had come through to stay with me. Okay. But in my mind, I was by myself. Yeah, I was yeah. forced to reckon. You know, yeah. many people struggled with that time. But even worse, if you're on an incapacity leave, what do you do with yourself during that period no of time? No one's sending you an email. You're, it's just you. It was very lonely. It was very lonely. And I'd ask myself, I'd ask people, did <coughs> this really happen? Sure. Did, you know, did that incident take place? I was yeah. still at that mode. <laughs> and I started journaling a lot. And also my... Functioning had slowed down. Mm. The relapse was that severe that I was I had to have assessments, rehabilitation with the occupational therapist, um, because I had to rehabilitate from you know the fall of that. Yeah. So and this this major relapse is simply caused by being off medication and stress. Yes, and I was psychotic as well. Psychotic, simply put. Um, as being out of touch with reality. So that sure. affects the functioning of the brain as well. How does that happen? Is that a process? Is that being too, were you too in your work that you started losing? Like, how does that happen? Or is it also another chemical reaction in the brain? So does the severity mm -hmm. of my, you know, people can evolve from what a manic episode is. Yeah. You can have perceptual disturbances, which I had, um, uh, pers being persecutory and all of those things, delusional as well. Sure. So during that time for myself, I just literally had advanced to that stage of being psychotic. And sure. that's like an ins a chemical insult to the brain, mm. if I can put it simply. Oh, a chemical insult yes, to the brain. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, my, I knew that I'm not the same anymore in terms of functioning. So I had to rehabilitate. I did puzzles. It felt so tedious. Did you, did you, did you feel like you're seeing things, you're hearing things? At that time, while I was in hospital, I was definitely very paranoid, very sure. irritable. I did feel that people were watching me, hearing me speak. Sure. So I became very sensitive to what was happening around me. And I want to bring in African spirituality because um, we're seeing now maybe we're seeing it because of social media, but a lot of people are by Atwasa, they are doing ceremonies. And I know a lot of it comes from when someone hears things or sees things or starts getting sick and there's no help, there's no like physical um, physical symptoms or so, and it's all in uh, mental rather. I think the solution has become you have to go do a ceremony, like you have to twasa, you have to do this. What Has it never occurred to you that you have to um, do that? You know, it's interesting you bring that up because this topic is so tricky and sensitive. Very sensitive you know? and tricky. Uh, but the route that my parents took was a medical route, which yeah. worked for me. Okay. And I come from a Christian background. That's not to say if people have... Um, traditional inclination to their beliefs that they can't have a Christian mm, mm. Uh, belief system. Mm. But that's the route my parents took. Yeah. And they didn't think that, you know, um, I'm yeah, twice or yeah. anything of that sort. And taking the medical route 
was what worked for me. The prayers were still welcome. Thank yeah. God, no more exorcisms, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, no but more that's the route they yeah. took for me. Yeah. And it's worked. And it's not to say other things don't work. Yeah. I always say that there's not, a, I don't believe in superiority of one belief system over the next, but it's, to, it's to exhaust all the avenues that make you feel well. Yeah. So for me, for sure. example, I, I, I don't do yoga necessarily, yeah. but it's to say that I take my medication. It doesn't stop me from doing yoga. yoga yeah. But essentially, I won't only do yoga if there are means to help me be well. Medically. Medically yeah. as yeah. well. So that's how I take it, that it's a holistic picture, yeah. you know? So do you think other people should also consider, because I, I know there's probably some families who don't think it's a uh, uh, something, it, who don't think you need a, a diagnosis of bipolar or whatever, um, diagnosis you can get but it's simply you have to heed the call you have to listen to the call do you think we need more people um also going the medical route just to kind of have that holistic full experience do you think there's a bit of a danger right now where we're not checking the medical aspect of things i believe that there needs to be a collaboration of of you know people who who are you know i'm talking about Traditional, traditional healers, for healers, example, yeah. working with psychiatrists, which yeah. people are exploring as well, to say it's not them versus this. us. You yes, know, it's, using, a collective it's a collective thing. So I think there needs to be more of that so that people find each other, mm. people who are leaders in the space mm. and people who are leaders in medicine as well, mm. to say where can we find each other so that people get the, the appropriate help and support. Sure. Because some I've, I know people who are professionals. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm always blown away by a friend I met a few years ago who we were hiking and talking, brilliant psychologist. Mm. And then she says, no, I'm also a traditional healer. And sure. I was blown away yeah. by that because I thought, could they be, where, yeah. how is she functioning? Because yeah. for me, it seemed like two worlds. Two different and worlds, yeah. So for me, it was a learning sure. in that way. A learning curve. Take us back to your, to, to COVID, the, the six months. How did every day look like? Hey, you know, initially <laughs> I was just in Planet Sam, you know, yeah. in the sense that I was in such a haze initially. Like I said, I had to rehabilitate at the time, reckoning with my thoughts because I wasn't going anywhere. Sure. It, you know, in your level five was so difficult. Yeah. And journaling became a thing for me and the journal started to become my book, Your best Reflections, oh, okay. Reflections of a Convoluted Mind. Yeah. And there's such meaning in that title because yeah. I felt that, you know, the mind is convoluted of somebody of who's unwell. Mm. So how can it reflect? Mm. And I thought there's meaning to how one functions with the mental illness. Mm. And I wanted a voice that's not only medical, it's in yeah. very simple English. Um, because I don't want it to have medical jargon that isolates other people, yeah. but I wanted to humanize the journey from yeah. a perspective Personal. who's living with this. Yeah. So do you think that's what that, do you call it just a spiritual awakening for you? What do, what do you call it now? That, that specific relapse, that specific moment? Oh, absolutely. I would call it my spiritual uh, awakening yeah. because it really changed my life forever. The trajectory of my life took a different turn completely. I could not have anticipated how things have turned out and yeah. are turning out. Yeah. Unexpected. And I think that's when I realized the importance of owning your story, no matter mm. how ugly it looks, no matter how imperfect it is, just to take it for what it is and taking it from there. If anything, it's about owning it, the shame and everything, and then proceeding from there. Sure. Why do you think we're so afraid of people's truths? 
why do you think we're so afraid of vulnerability? Because we all, now we're in a, be vulnerable, be vulnerable until someone sits in front of you and they give you the full ugly truth and you don't know what to do. Why do you think we're like that? I think being vulnerable, you know, when you're vulnerable, there's such a space for people to reject you. Mm-hmm. There's such a space for people to um, shame you mm-hmm. and shaming yourself. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I believe in vulnerability in safe spaces, safe may spaces, I say. Yes. And in being that, I think it breeds authenticity and connection, mm-hmm. meaningful connection mm-hmm. with you and other people. Mm-hmm. But I emphasize that it has to be in safe spaces because you can be more scarred in yeah. that vulnerability if it falls on the wrong hands. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay, I want us now to go, now that we know a bit of your story, I want us to debunk certain things and talk it out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about mental health misconceptions that you've you've come across and that you're coming across daily. And because of um, social media is a big part of my world, so I consume, uh, I consume and I do a lot of research and I'm seeing a lot of, therapy online right Mm -hmm. and me personally i'm uh i'm an over self-help person so once i spiral in in self-help right Mm -hmm. and now i've started to see danger in it because now i follow all these psychology pages and it's 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 beautiful i'm learning a lot but now i'm starting to feel like now maybe i'm over i'm over um, uh analyzing myself Mm -hmm. i'm over there's a word that i'm looking for Overdiagnosing myself just based on those little three-minute videos that I'm watching every day. So I want us to talk about some misconceptions and some some on on mental health. So self-diagnosis is quite dangerous, actually. Mm-hmm. And if you look at it, sometimes you can even di- diagnose yourself with bipolar disorder just because you feel like you have mood swings. Yeah. Or maybe you've shopped a lot. And yeah. you're thinking, could I have bipolar yeah. disorder? <laughs> yeah. So it's best to just go to a professional yeah. to help you out with that. Yeah. You know? And you're, you're correct. There is a danger in the fact that there's social media pages, which you can't which are difficult to vet out and say, which one is appropriate for me? Which one is actually somebody who's taking a chance on you? And there's just way too many. There are very many. And how do you know this one is from a professional? I say if somebody is a professional and maybe you know of them, you know, they have the credentials Mm. to give out information of that sort, then maybe you can trust that page. Mm. But now it's like saying that, so many people are mental health care advocates. Mm, and what does that, what does that, what, what does that is mean? that? You yeah. Know? Um, <laughs> you can say you're that, I can say I'm that, but based on what as well, yeah. you know, do I now take over and then be an authority in it? What sure. is that based on? Mm. I think one of the biggest myths um, about people who have mental illness or mental health is that it does, it's not the man on the street who's running around undressed digging in a bin. Yeah, that's and what that's we grew what, up thinking. Yes, yeah. and, and I think that's one of the biggest things I've done is to make myself a statement to say it can be a professional yeah. who is navigating life with it. And I always say that I'm not suffering from bipolar disorder. Yeah. I'm not in denial, yeah. but I'm thriving despite it. It's yeah. difficult to navigate. It's medication twice a day, psychologist, sure. psychiatrist, so much intervention to keep me as I am. Sure. But... I don't want to be a victim of the labels. Mm. One of the other myths is that, you know, you can do it on your own. Yep. You know. Read a few books. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) If you have hypertension, you need to take your medication. If you're diabetic, 
you Thank need you. to take your medication mm-hmm. and get on with life. Mm-hmm. So I find that with mental illness, like it's that. so and tricky. And get on with life. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So when it comes to mental illness, it's like it's a different ball game altogether. And I think maybe people, it is an invisible kind of a yeah, condition. Yeah. So if you are not taking your treatment, it's not necessarily going to catch up with you maybe necessarily mm. immediately. Mm. Whereas if you're not taking your medication for diabetes, say you're on insulin, yeah, that's going to yeah. catch up quite quickly. So I think those are one of the myths that need to be, people need to be aware of is that mental illness does not always come in a form that that is people that people stereotype it mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. Okay, and when do you know it's time to get help? And I'm asking this because the word anxiety is like in our language now. Like it's just like, oh, it's making me so anxious. Oh my and gosh, you're giving me yeah triggers, <laughs> and it's part of our language, which. Mm. There's a good part of it because we're becoming more aware and we're teaching other people the language. But then there's also the just throwing the word around. Do we all have anxiety? Are we all anxious or should we be getting a diagnosis for that? And also, when is a time to know that, okay, I need to get help? Absolutely. Um, With anxiety, like you're saying, how do I know that you have an anxiety disorder versus yeah. feeling anxious? Yes. You know? Yeah, because sometimes like I can feel myself like oh, I'm feeling anxious because the day is not going the way. But now it's like, okay, does that mean now I have anxiety or it just means that the day just didn't go well and my body's reacting? Absolutely. And there's a difference. So to say one has a disorder, that has to be diagnosed yeah. by a psychiatrist and maybe you're seen by a psychologist as well. Mm. If you're anxious, you could be just be ha- having a bad day. Yeah. But if it's starting to affect areas of your life where mm. different areas of your life are now suffering, so mm. it's not just your work being um, struggling, it could be other areas, then you need to look at it and say, no, this is not just me feeling anxious normally, yeah. but there's actually a disorder that may be taking place. One of the things I find so important is to not wait until things are out of control, mm. is to actually act on them. You know, mm. depression, I always say, steals you in a way mm. because you're not just going to wake up immediately depressed. Yeah. It's a buildup of things. And if you find that you're not coping, mm. that's when you need to seek help, not when you now have a full-on you know, episode. Mm. So now actually, I'm glad you mentioned depression because now it's in terms of jargon and, 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 and diagnosis, it's, it's, it's a lot. We just think mental health issue, depression, done. But now there's bipolar. And like you said, in bipolar, you, there's days where you don't want to open your curtains. And then there's depression. I thought depression is when you don't want to open your curtains. And um, bipolar is just happy now, sad now. And then there's anxiety where you're just panicking and stuff. So that's my simple concept of it. So those three ones, I think, are the most popular, common. most common. Um, so can, we, can you give us a brief breakdown of each? So bipolar in in the past, people used to think manic and then depressed. And there's the ups, you'll get on a high. Happy, then then sad. And sad and that's it. But, you know, over the years, we found that it exists on a sort of like a spectrum. Mm -hmm. So a spectrum of saying you, to a point where you could be out of touch reality, it goes Mm -hmm. on a spectrum where there's your mood symptoms and then there's the depressive symptoms. Mm -hmm. And you're correct. Bipolar disorder does uh, is a shift in moods, but okay. there's other things that are associated with it. Maybe it could be the irritability that I mentioned mm-hmm. with you, mm-hmm. pacing around. Mm. Um, you could be, you know, 
the irritability I yeah. mentioned. So there's many things that point to it. It's not just one okay. thing that says you have bipolar okay. disorder. Otherwise, we'd all be having a fluctuation of yeah. mood. Depression in the past used to be called uni depression mm. because it's like one you, you uni need depression. Okay. And in the past, de um, bipolar disorder used to be called manic depression. Okay. So if you look at it sort of in a very simple term, mm -hmm. sort of like two poles, mm -hmm. bipolar, then mm -hmm. it's you okay. are having, yeah, bipolar, uh, bipolar say it's the up mm -hmm. and the down mm -hmm. and then something called euthymia, which is the healthy part. Okay. okay. Where you have to um, achieve a space where you're euthymic. Okay. Gotcha. And then with depression. Almost as like well, the balance, the balancing the balance. of the scale. Yes. Okay. Yes. Where I am now. Okay. Okay. And then with depression, it's also like below that euthymia mm. because you're having those symptoms where you can't get out of bed. Mm. And also these time frames relates to these things. Because if you're down for a period of, say it's a day, yeah. it doesn't mean you have depression. Yeah. But if it's a period of two weeks, then we look into it and think, is this a disorder now? Sure. So even with a bipolar disorder, you, you should have had at least one manic episode mm -hmm. to have that defined, to have uh, that diagnosed. Gotcha. It can't just be, you know, you had one, that a space like like a one. bad season yes a yeah. bad season then say you have bipolar mm. disorder there's so many factors that will lead to a, um, a diagnosis and exclusion inclusion and the best person to approach about this is a psychiatrist because mm. they work on these disorders mm. they're trained to identify these things and magazines yeah. dr google internet not the or, girl no, 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 no. Social <laughs> media is not, it's the not your diagnosis it's not, place. Yes, it's yeah. not the place. Self-diagnosis is actually quite dangerous. It is dangerous. So you said, okay, so depression is when you're under the youth. Euthymia. Euthymia. And then I said the last one was anxiety. Yes, anxiety disorder also as well. Um, that relates to, you know, your sense of, um, you know, there's not necessarily mood symptoms as well. There's, you know, um, you're feeling anxious about your environment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know how to put it into a proper sentence. Yeah, very simple. <laughs> In simple <Non> language. <laughs> but it also it relates to your time frames as well. Okay. More anxious than not, you know. Um, and that requires cognitive behavior therapy because sometimes it's disproportionate what's making you anxious. Mm. And you're feeling anxious more often than usual. Mm -hmm. And it is those symptoms where one would describe it as, you know, you're having palpitations. Yeah. Um, you know, you find your palms sweating yeah. and all those things. And then you can find that you have panic attacks, panic mm. disorder, so it's many so things. It's, it's, such so, a wide... it's not just one thing. Yeah. And the thing we're experiencing in, in, in society right now is to oversimplify things and then everyone feels that they have something. Ah, that's, that's the problem. Mm. Everything, I think that's what you just worded what I was asking very correctly is that what we're seeing online has oversimplified everything. Yeah. So that's when we can pick and choose that. Oh, okay, I fall under that yes. category. I fall under that category. I fall under these two categories. There we go. That's my diagnosis. Let's run with it. Yes. yes. When do you know it's time to get help other than just maybe get a little bit of exercise? Because sometimes, you know, with all those um, feelings, it's recommended that get some exercise, get some sunlight, get vitamin D. But when do you know that um, I need a little more than that? When you find that you're not coping anymore with things that you are, for example, if you're able to do a task yeah. in two hours, for example, yeah. now it's taking you the whole day. Ah. You know, yeah. um, when you find that, you know, it's one thing to say you can't get out of bed and you're having the blues. Yeah. You know, I think all of us in our lifetime, there's those days you, you don't just, just you like, don't want to face the day ahead. Yeah. 
you know, and you may be sleeping in or you're just struggling. Yeah. Then it, when it's two weeks of that happening, for example, then you need to seek the help that's necessary and okay. appropriate for you. Okay. And I don't by any means um, say gym is not good or anything of that sort, but that's not a solution mm. to when you're really struggling with mental health issues. Mm. And I find that when you're not coping with the the daily things mm. of life, the routine of life, um, that's when you need to start seeking help. When you find that, you know, you're not sleeping well, you're eating more than usual, not eating at all, mm. concentration is suffering. Small little things that I come things naturally would, to you have yes, become things extra like menial tasks. Yeah. All of a sudden you're not coping anymore. Got you. And then can you share different methods that can help us cope um and this is before you even get a diagnosis or before you seek help um and that can help you thrive like you saying you're thriving um this i'm talking about from therapy etc because now the only answer we kind of know is oh okay you're feeling this go to therapy but is that the only answer or is that like maybe a first step or the other methods that we can start looking at you know, with myself, for example, yeah. I really don't, I can't say that the only thing that supports me is my psychiatrist and psychologist only, because I'm a well-rounded person. I'm not yeah. the, I'm not the illness only. There's so yes. much, there's so much to me sure. than the illness. I'm not the, I'm not the illness I'm not only. the illness yeah. only. Yeah. There's so much more to me than yeah. that. And, and that's one of the things I try and emphasize mm. that those things are important, but I'm a whole picture. That's not the summary mm. of some gear, mm. you know? Mm. So sure. exercise is so important. Yeah. As people say that it really does impact your mood. Yeah. You know, the yeah. ha- people say it's the happy hormones. Yep. The I run out of the gym like, whoa. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Gym. And yeah. I love, um, you know, art related things mm. like drawing mm. and journaling is so important mm-hmm. for me. And the people around me, I stay with healthy people, healthy yes. company. Yeah. That also helps in getting feedback mm. on how I'm doing. And, you know, those, those people are impactful in my life because they're truthful with me. So mm. safe spaces are very important. Safe spaces, yeah. Um, I try and avoid, I don't believe in, um, what's this, being a shopaholic or any of that um, thing. Impulsive thing. Yes, yeah. yes. But I love solo dates. Okay. Because I feel like they... They put, they pull me towards my camp. Yeah, <laughs> yes, rejuvenate yes, you. Yeah, it's so important to be able to introspect and mm. reflect. You know, people talk about mindfulness, yes. self awareness. Yes, those terms are also quite popular now, yeah. but they're actually quite important yeah. because self awareness helps you. You know, know when things are not going well for you. Yeah, and you know where am I in my in my behavior in yeah. my mind basically. Yeah. So those are things that are helpful. You know, things that add to you. Mm-hmm. As opposed to taking from taking you. And from the you. best thing for that to happen is for you to have self-awareness and be and be mindful. I was actually doing a talk and I was talking about self-love and I noted like four things that um, are included in self-love. And for me, the first step was self-awareness. Because before we get to self-care, you need to know what you're caring about. Absolutely. And you need to know how to care about it. And the only way we can know that is by having that self-awareness. That okay. And self-awareness really is, I think people think it's... But really, it's Usa. pay. It's Usa, but I think it's really for me personally. It's paying attention that oh, okay, when I have 
three cups of coffee, I'm jittery. So maybe mm. let's not have three cups yeah. of coffee. Or when I eat this food, this is how I feel. Or when I'm around this person, I leave feeling this way. When I tackle this task, like it's it's not necessarily picking at the bad stuff or over analyzing, but it's just I think paying attention to what makes you feel good, what makes you feel bad, what makes you feel shaky, mm. what makes you feel feel calmer. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's those things where you actually in touch with the things around you and your internal world. Yeah, yeah. But I think one important thing that I've gotten today um, that's very important, it might be just a mind shift for me, is that I'm that doesn't make the whole picture of who Samge is. Not at you all. You know, and it's, and I think it's especially important coming from you because you advocate for this and you you speak about it all the time. But it's important to say, hey, I my therapy is important, but if I drop my social circle, if I drop my art, then maybe therapy won't be as effective as it is with everything else. Am I hearing you correctly? No, absolutely. That? You're hearing me correctly because my illness is not the sum total of who Samge is. Mm. You know, it's not mm. the sum, to- sum total of who Samge is. It's a fractional, a factor fractional factor of who I am. And the other thing I always say that the best storyteller about mental health issues yes. is the person living with it. Yeah. There's people who advocate for it, which is fantastic. Yeah. But the internal world of somebody living with mental illness is somebody who's living with mental illness. Sure. Yeah. And that's the best person to tell the story. How can we show up for loved ones? And still, this is now going back to, you touched on it with a friend who said to you, look, I'm so sorry, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. So how can we show up for loved ones and still have our boundaries? Because I still have to have my boundaries to make sure that I'm healthy in as much as you have your own boundaries. And I think just because you're... And this may sound insensitive, so I want us to unpack it. And just because you're you're struggling um, or you have a diagnosis doesn't mean that I need to constantly take a beating and not care for myself, right? So now I want us to converse around that. It's a question. It's not a phrase. Mm-hmm. I want us to co- talk about that. How do we shop for loved ones and still have my own healthy boundaries? I think that's so important um, because you, you know, I people- saw you smiling. Why were you smiling? <laughs> You know, people say that, you know, you have to be there for me. But, you know, that talking about the cup, you know, pouring from an empty cup. Yeah. You know what the saying is. So you, the people need to look after themselves as well. Yeah. And not look after themselves at their own expense. Mm. And for me, I'm always mindful of that, that look after you as somebody living with mental mm. illness or anything. I don't want to end up feeling like a burden. I don't want the dynamic of the relationship to change as well. Okay. Where I'm always it. now the one with now the issues. Now you're being nursed. Yes. Yeah. You don't want to, you know, there's the boundaries people need to set for themselves, which are so important mm. to look after themselves. Mm. But that requires, um, I'd say, what's the word? You need to be able to also be aware of yourself, yeah. aware of your limitations, aware ah, of aware your, your expectations of people. Yeah. And that also comes with being self-actualized. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I, you need to be actualized to a certain extent to know that this is my friend. They're not my doctor. I always say that there's a part where the friendship starts sure. and ends sure. and there's a part for professional intervention. Sure. And you need to, I need to manage my expectations of people. Mm. They're not my therapist. They're not my doctor. They can be there for me. In their own capacity. Yeah. And, you know, the word capacity float, um, floats around. Yeah. And it's true. 
I need to manage my expectations of my loved ones where I'm not the one who's always needing help, mm. needing support mm. because they will need me as well, yeah. you know? Yeah. Mm. And you should be able to be there. But that's Absolutely. maturity and like, is it self-actualization mm. and also a level of a boundary to self that, hey, self, I know this is what's happening, but they have stuff going on too and you still have to show up or they can't show up for me like that. Absolutely. Because I think we build these expectations of people and it's a lack of boundary for self where you just build these expectations for people that they must play nurse and they must play doc. Things people are just really not capable of and then we struggle. Absolutely, because all of us, you know, sometimes in, in, even if it's not an illness, mm. we're all going through something at any certain point. Yeah. Sometimes we're yeah. going through something at the same time. Yeah. And I can't expect my friend to always wear that Superman or Superwoman <laughs> cape, cape and, yeah. you know, and top to always be there for yeah. me. I need to know that they're not there for me because they've got their own things going mm. on as well. Mm. And I can't feel so entitled to people sure. being there for me. Sure. You know, that affects the That's dynamic. liberating of though. It's Absolutely. a painful but liberating statement that you can't feel entitled to, to, to how people show up for us, right? Mm. Yeah. How, have your rom- how has your romantic life been um, affected, if it has, or how has it been exciting? You know, it's, <laughs> it's interesting you ask me that because um, I'm somebody, people know, many people know that there's some gay okay. who, who's a mental health advocate uh-huh. who talks mental illness uh-huh. often. Mm-hmm. So I remember this one time somebody came, you know, going out on a date yeah. and they're like, hi, tell me about your illness. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Okay, yeah. can we just... Can we not just eat coffee we, or tea? Can you please order starters <laughs> yeah. at least? Oh my gosh. And I'm how sure you were just like, no, it was a bit overwhelming. <laughs> and I thought, can we talk anything outside of that? Yeah, do you like, like roses or tulips? Yes, because I'm like, I'm not the illness though. Yes, yes I you're speak a about this. Yeah, even if you speak about diabetes, you're not going to be like, tell <laughs> so me about what's your sugar. <laughs> what's your sugar? <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Yeah, and they're like, so, so tell me, and I think they were genuine and asking yeah, that genuine. question. <laughs> but I thought the timing, to impress you. The so. timing was off as well. <laughs> then the other one, um, when they met me, the conversation was just based on their bipolar. <laughs> you so know? <laughs> and it's, it's, I'm saying that I've watched every interview you've done, and I thought maybe <gasps> watch them, don't tell me. <laughs> yeah, like, use it for yourself. Yeah, yeah. And the one also had the disorder, so now the conversation was about their disorders. <laughs> Oh, so I've had, I've had oh, situations which were, which were really yeah. epic fails. Yeah. But um, lessons learned yeah. that um, when that starts going in that direction, you need to see how the, it's going to play out in the future. Because mm. when some gay is upset... Will you blame it on the illness or she's uh, genuinely upset? Ab- ah, you know, because then now there's blame shifting. I assume. absolutely because if you're coming with that, just sitting down and I must define bipolar. It means no, 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 no. Like <laughs> yes, absolutely. Starting, yeah. The gaslighting vibes are yeah, going to come. So yeah, it's been an interesting journey. There's people who are open-minded, and yeah. also I think what ties up with that is saying when do I share that information? Yes. At which point is it appropriate to share that? Yeah, especially if someone doesn't know of your online profile. Yeah, absolutely. When is it time to share it? And I always say building a relationship and knowing who you are and reading the person as well. Reading the person. Any other diagnosis as well. You're not entitled to just share a diagnosis. I am. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you need to be able to feel safe and comfortable to discuss things of that nature. Yeah. So I assume now you've got a good romantic life. 
Hey, right now. <laughs> Is there a romantic life? <laughs> sleep one with dot, dot, dot. <laughs> no, but I'm so glad we touched on this because I, I think it's just so important that even with um, this conversation where I obviously had certain points I wanted to touch on, but you, you've taught me something today that it's a, it's a full life. Just Absolutely. like everything else, if I have my toe cut off, life doesn't stop. Like I don't stop going to my kids' game because mm. this has happened or my life is not, that's not the conversation I'm constantly having. But there's actually a full life going on and people mm. should really open up to that. It's not the end of your life. No, absolutely. I, I always emphasize that it's a fractional aspect of my life. Yeah. It may impact it greatly at certain points yeah at times it's there and i need to look after it yeah but some gay yes i speak mental health yeah. yes, but that's not who that's i not am who you fully. Are, no yes. there's so much more to me yeah than the illness and that's yeah. why i say i have the illness yeah i'm not suffering but yeah. i'm thriving, You're thriving despite it yeah and how's your how's your relationship with yourself it's an ongoing relationship mm -hmm. um it's a growing one it's evolving mm -hmm. it's i find that it's getting better mm -hmm. and I'm kinder to myself. Mm -hmm. There's certain times I'm like, okay, am I in this situation? Yeah. How did I get here? Yeah. One of the biggest things I've learned is to look at my life in context. Ah, okay. Because oftentimes I look back at Ooh, certain Look decisions. at my life in context. Absolutely. Because yeah. I look, at times I look back on my life, I'm like, how did we get here? Mm, but but having context, con context is so critical. And then sure. that makes me kinder and more compassionate towards myself. Okay. What makes you happy? What makes me happy is knowing that I, I have an opportunity to be better. You know, Maya Angelou's um, saying that... <laughs> when you know better... You, yes, you do you better. Do better. Yeah. So, um, you know, self-kindness. But what makes me happy is just, you know, being around my loved ones, mm -hmm. knowing I'm loved, mm -hmm. and being content no matter what. Okay. What's a day like in your life, a normal day in your life, a normal good day in your life? It's... What time do you wake good. up? I want you to talk me through the day. You know, I have an... I, hey, you know what? What? Mpumi has what? a morning routine that makes everybody jealous. No, guys, don't be. <laughs> the 5 a.m. club. Context. <laughs> yeah, context, context is everything. Context is no, everything. No, I love that because I've learned that such a routine yeah. is difficult for me. I yeah. used to have a proper morning routine. Yeah. But with my medication yeah, and being, just, struggling to wake up. You're just setting yourself up for failure. Absolutely. So I have an evening routine. So ah. I wake up. Mm -hmm. uh, fortunately, my working hours are kinder than what they used to be. Okay. So I don't have to be out before the sun, before the <laughs> yeah, sun is yeah. out. So I get up and um, sort of have time to um, meditate. Mm -hmm. Meditate is nothing complicated. Mm -hmm. Just to prepare for the day, yeah. be mindful of the mm -hmm. day ahead, plan the day ahead. Mm -hmm. And then the work continues. There's times when I'm working in a coffee shop on mm -hmm. my laptop. Mm -hmm. These days when I'm at work. You so seem like you love this coffee shop thing. I know when you told me like, <laughs> yes. I saw your whole purple <laughs> shirt cover. And I was like, okay. Yes, she no, loves definitely. It. Yeah. Um, the solitude of it ah. and... I, I, there's places where maybe all the waiters know me, but uh, maybe I'm sitting in the, the corner. It's the full experience. Yeah, I get it. I, I get feel it. so special. Yeah. So I'm usually with my laptop yeah. working on different things at a given point. Then I'm at work at times. Uh -huh. My working hours are very kind to me lately mm -hmm. and they're kind of also keeping me calm. Mm. Then I have an evening routine mm -hmm. where once dinner has happened and all of that. Do you cook every I, day? 
Not every day. Oh, okay. I live alone. Yeah, that's why I'm asking. I'm like, <laughs> no, are you I like, don't want to lie. Are you like, what is it? Making um, the, the trout. So I'm, not gonna lie. I'm not going to lie. Not at all. It's not okay. like that. Okay. So once everything has calmed down and the day is wrapping yeah. up, that's when I listen to my music. Mm-hmm. That's when I read. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the lights dimmed. So yeah. I, I can't handle a bright room. I okay. need the light dimmed so that it calms me. Yeah. And in that, I just get to reflect. Mm-hmm. I get to read. Mm-hmm. I get to yeah i'm very hooked on maverick city lately oh only now i got I'm a late like, oh my gosh years ago we I'm even went to the concert oh lovely oh, best experience of my life absolutely i'm such a late bloomer when it comes to this yeah. band so i'm just catching <laughs> just up. like oh my gosh what have i been missing out on and when i look at some of the dates of, of these songs yeah. i'm like 2018 wow oh, <laughs> they literally got us through lockdown oh wow yeah and yeah. i'm like such a late bloomer literally yeah. as in 2022 <laughs> no i'm just happy for you happy you made it what's your get up and go song Shall not want. Shall not want. Okay, I've got a wall of wisdom. A quote or a scripture you live by. So, um, scripture, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all all the the days days of of my my life. life. Yes. That's Psalm 23 verse 6. Yes. And many of the songs I'm loving lately are speaking to that. Goodness of God by CC shall not want. Yes. And the old school one um, by um, CC Houston Uh about the Lord is my shepherd, you know, from preacher's wife. Yes, yes, yes. Courtney Houston. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, that one. Yeah. And then the one by Maya Angelou of Mm. when you know better, you do do better. better. Because I'm really acquainting myself at looking looking at my life in Mm. context. You just gave, it's so funny how I've heard that quote and quoted so many times but as you said it now when you speak about context and you said it now it gave me goosebumps because it it relieves us of shame but we Absolutely. need to really really get it and and, and he- hear it more than anything we have to really really hear it, that when you know better you do better therefore we can forgive ourselves yes absolutely the sure. shame goes away the yeah. guilt goes away yeah. and that's an evolving journey yes, as well yes yeah journey and a half can you recommend a book i'm going to say book and a podcast um, that you think everybody should listen to and read. Viola Davis, Finding Me. I finished that book in two days. Me too. Because it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, I... On a flight. I absolutely. Yeah. Like, she's phenomenal yeah. herself. And you understand why she's so, why she's the way why that she's, she is. Why she's, that's what I say. Like you understand, like there's a, there the was a. The grit, the passion, everything. the everything. When there was the running joke about, I think the, the series First Lady and people were saying mm. she was overdoing the, the, the facial expression. I'm like, yeah, but that's Viola. Like mm. I have context because of that book. I'm like, Absolutely. of course she would do it that Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Yeah. And then my, my podcast I've been listening to it since 2018. Mm-hmm. There's some things I also listen back to. Mm-hmm. And that's Oprah's Super Soul Conversations, yes, the favorite. podcast. Yeah. There's some conversations I've listened to maybe like four times, times yep. at different seasons of the, yep. my life. I see them yep. differently. Mm-hmm. And then seven, I don't really listen to the radio mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, I need to unplug. So it's usually music, but I also want to be in touch with what's happening. Yeah. So I listen to 702, but okay. there's a specific um, segment yeah. Um, by yeah. I hope I'm saying it right Mabocha. Okay. Yeah, Mabocha, yes, yes. I think. the upside of failure the upside of failure okay it's, I'm going to check it so out it's so special because I always get fascinated by how people bounce back sure. I'm fascinated fascinated about the bounce back from difficult situations yeah. and the lessons people yeah. have gained through those things yeah. you know? it's what makes us human it's what connects us Absolutely. and I think that's why podcasts are on such a rise because people come and tell 
real stories. Like yes. it's unfiltered, real um, conversation. The last one, I just need you to fill in this sentence. A wise woman once said. A wise woman. Understand. You can be the wise woman if you want. <laughs> Own your story. I'm Own the wise woman. Story. You're the wise woman. <laughs> can I, I request to be You're the wise the woman? Wise own your story. Yes. Own your story, no matter how it looks, just yeah. own it with its imperfections and then move forward from there. Sure. And what is the, what do you want people to know about you? Like what taste do you want to leave in people's mouths every time you exit a room? I'd like people to work, walk away from me knowing that authenticity is the way to life, no matter what it looks like, mm -hmm. but being authentic connects us and okay. and basically it also comes with being vulnerable yeah but being authentic connects us as people in a very honest way mm, i love that being authentic connects us i mean it's it's very relevant right now for me because i've i read I'm, I'm, i just recently came across clayton doyle and Brene brown so you know those women are all so, about being yourself owning absolutely. your story and it's an it's an exciting journey, but it also comes with a lot. Like it comes with a lot of shedding and a lot of loss, mm. but so much peace. Absolutely. You know, so daring greatly. Yes, so much peace. No, yeah. absolutely. And I so love the fact that in us conversing is that you saw a bigger picture outside of the illness. Yes. I think for me, it's so important to not just be asked about the illness, yes. but to be asked about other elements of sure. who I am. Sure. I love that. And that's my favorite. I think that's my favorite part of the conversation is I always come in willing and open to hearing what you want to say, not come with my own conception based on my research. But where do you take me? What do you want to talk about? What are you all about? And in that, I learned so much. And in the, like the simplest things, I'm just like, oh, that's a light bulb moment. Thank you, Dr. Sango. Thank Bye. you. <laughs> <laughs> that's a wrap. It's a wrap.